and welcome to another exciting edition of the Aliens and Ascension podcast, your home for all things extraterrestrial, interdimensional, and higher density consciousness. Of course, with me as always, the CE5 guy, Brian, how you doing? Hey, glad to be here. Love the enthusiasm. Uh, on today's show, we are going to be interviewing uh, a member of our CE5 group. His name is Alfred, and um, I think Brian's got some good questions set up for him. So why don't you take it away, Brian guy? Okay, and if by good questions you mean totally wing it, <laughs> then yes. That's so, exactly what I meant. And I, I don't know how the time change is treating you guys, but it's like, it feels like it's later here than it really is to me. Um, I hate I hate daylight savings. Just same. It's terrible. <laughs> So how was everybody's Halloween? It was pretty decent. Did you go to any pagan parties? I did not. Due to the pandemic, we are doing things virtually. So uh, I am part of a grove, and we did do a virtual ritual. So um, what I did is I poured out offerings in my yard at a tree, and other people will have done various things like um, either in their home or in their yard, you know, whatever they can do. But the ritual was coordinated over, I think it was a Zoom chat. Now, when you I say think that's a great place for us to start, Brian. Um, so what, what is it? What is it you said you're a member of and Alfred? And why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Okay, well, I won't be specific because I am. I wasn't necessarily aware I'd be talking about it. I will say I'm part of a grove and that's part of a larger organization called ADF, American Druid Federation. And we are a, uh, basically we are a bunch of people in the Atlanta area who get together to do pagan worship. And in, in a nutshell, we are polytheists and Many of us worship different pantheons from the others, but we all, you know, get we we get along and we do it together. And just I won't go into details because I don't want to get into other people's personal lives. I will, however, say that we uh, an example of an offering would be beer or mead or perhaps something like a, uh, a piece of bread or a small cake, uh, even something like a marble or water. Uh, there have been people who have um, poured offering. There's one person who poured an offering of um, iced tea and champagne mixed together for her grandmother because that's what her grandmother liked to drink. <laughs> so you're not sacrificing children or sheep out there. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so no. what are the offerings for? Well, Offer? if you're, well, you may, it might be offerings to a God. It might be offerings to say the spirits of the land. It might be offerings to ancestors, you know, dearly departed. Um, it really depends on the person. It depends on the occasion. It depends on basically what, who you want to honor, what you want to do. You should have been there yesterday, Alfred, for our um, Zoom meeting for the next weekend CE5 because 
we had a, a guy on there named Steve who uh, is a former Druid, and he so we had a lengthy discussion about land spirits and and just Druidism. And I didn't know until just now that's the same thing as paganism. Very interesting. Well, Druid is a branch of paganism, and they are primarily they primarily focus on the Celtic deities um, in the Celtic land spirits, um, such as the Tuatha Dé Danann, the She. You might have heard of a, a banshee. That would be an example of the she. Um, you know what what we might call the seely and unseely chords. That said, Druidism really isn't my thing. I am primarily uh, my focus is on uh, primarily Germanic heathenry and the gods uh, of that religion of that pantheon that people would be familiar with would be Odin, Thor, Freya, um, Tyr, um, Idun, Sif, um, yeah, Heimdall, a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the gods actually that show up in Marvel superheroes, but, uh, uh in the lore, Loki is not Thor's brother. <laughs> he's not? No, no, um, Loki is um, in the lore. Loki is actually Odin's blood brother, because Odin admired Loki for his cunning. But um, people will, in the lore, people will recognize Loki as the person who tricked a blind god by the name of Odur. I think it's spelled O-D-R, into uh, killing Balder by shooting him with an arrow made out of mistletoe. And there's a whole long story behind that. And that, again, long story, it will have ushered in Ragnarok, which is basically the end of the world. You end up having Fimbral winter, which is everything freezing over. And then you have the giant searcher burning everything. And you have, um, you know, the frost giants and the fire giants and the spirits coming up from the underworld to attack the Aesir. And that, that, that's the, uh, the Aesir is a group of gods. You have the Aesir and the Vanir. Um, but yeah, so that would be the end of the world story, which I don't believe literal to be literally true. But it, yeah. like I said, that it's there in the lore and that's how people, that's what most people will recognize Loki for. So what do you think about uh, preppers, especially right now, because there's been a lot of talk lately about prepping? Okay, so um, preppers were a thing before that label happened. And I'm not saying like preppers were a thing before that label using it. No, I'm saying there's always been preppers. And yes, some of them are wacky, religious, fundamentalists, weirdos, sure. Um, but you can be a prepper as in preparing for certain eventualities and not be crazy or a conspiracy theorist or a fundamentalist or anything. Um, so my first introduction to preppers and prepping, basically, long story short, I support preppers. My introduction was... Um, being in the horror movies, um, especially zombie flicks, I found a group called Zombie Squad. And politically, they're probably all over the map. Um, but, it, but the whole idea was, we like zombie movies. And this was in the early O's, okay? There, it was like, hey man, we like zombie movies. So what would happen 
in the worst case scenario. We didn't actually believe that a zombie apocalypse was nigh, just what would happen in the worst case scenario. So a lot of us, you know, some of us got real serious, like getting ceramic water filters in case of nuclear fallout and there's just radiation everywhere. But then a lot of us were like, let's, let, let's store some water <laughs> in case the, in case we don't have water for a few days. Let's, let's store up some, some dry food or, you know, we have a lot of canned food stored up and, you know, I just think that's wise. That's something my grandparents did. Um, Actually, you know, Alfred, yeah, I bought my very, I did some food storage, um, not that much, just, you know, enough that for a couple of weeks, just in, in case, and, um, I, uh, you know, it's, it really is a lot more prevalent, I think, with people, and, um, you know, preppers does seem kind of like a derogatory remark, but, you know, the thing is, is that if, in the end, if they're the ones that are right, you know, they're the ones that will be laughing at everyone else, right? <laughs> right. You can be of any political or religious opinion or no religion or apolitical or whatever and still be a prepper. And when people say, well, what are you prepping for? Could there, could it be mass hysteria and pandemonium after the, the election? Because this is, okay, this is 2020. This is the, um, this is what, November 2nd, election day is tomorrow. Sure, that's a possibility. But um, a couple of days ago, we didn't have power. It was just 24 hours without power. But what we did have, we, we had enough light, we had food. Um, fortunately, we didn't need to have heat or air conditioning because it was such a nice day. Um, but, you know, we had, you know, warm clothes around in case you know, in blankets and stuff, we have enough blankets. Uh, we have, at worst case scenario, um, yeah, we're armed and, you know, learn how to use your weapons, learn how to clean them, you know, use them responsibly, go to the range and practice, um, be an ethical person, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I think it's wise to be armed if you are responsible. Um, and so it, it's, I mean, the reason I mentioned the power going out is because it's like anything, anything very, like, how do I say this? Anything very trivial to very severe could happen. And it could be political, but it could also be the weather or an earthquake or a fire like in California or something. Thing. Um, yeah, you know, if you're in if you're in California out west, you might want to have a bug out bag prepared. You know, you and that think. has nothing to do with like Jesus is coming. Are you rapture ready? You know, it has nothing to do with the stereotypes. It's just, in my opinion, preppers are smart. So yes, I'm a prepper. <laughs> well, so even a broken clock is right twice a day. You know, uh, mm -hmm. do you think that ET would help us out? if there was a severe environmental catastrophe globally? That's an interesting question. Okay, so getting into CE5, I consider myself and I do my best to be uh, an interplanetary ambassador of Earth. I want peaceful relations among humans, human to human. I want peaceful relations 
between humans and peaceful ETs. I want for us to evolve past where we're at, and I want for us to, to use New Age speak, ascend, and to become citizens of the galaxy, so to speak. Would they help us? I don't know. So here's my way of thinking. If you saw a, <laughs> I'm going to sound real derogatory toward humans. If you saw a bunch of mm, just, let's say you saw a bunch of people that weren't trying, that were banging their heads against the walls and smacking each other the head <laughs> and putting trash cans on their heads and run it slamming into each other would you would you be inclined to help or pussy hats right <laughs> um and then again what if you saw people that you know well and truly look like a lot of people look like they were trying and they were going up against um very how do i say this if they were if the odds were against them because like all three of us sitting around in the sitting in the room maybe maybe we all voted for different people maybe none of well i voted but maybe um maybe one or you or both of you is like don't vote because that's manufactured consent or whatever <laughs> all three me. of us no no matter that all three of us are on the same team because the wealth is not in our hands the the resources of the world such as oil not in our hands the decision making power as far as government anyway and as far as business corporations that's not in our hands no matter what we think well i mean i suppose there could be somebody one of us who's an axe murderer or something but outside of some weird extreme situation we're on the same freaking team and so maybe et would help us because there's a lot of us who are striving against pretty um you know i i would say pretty insurmountable odds and my hope is yeah. that at bottom um the age that we're in now i'm i'm done with it it sucks i want to i want to go to a new age i want to ascend <laughs> i'm kind of the same way i'm i'm really banking hardcore on this third to fourth density uh, ascension for the earth because i think that's really the only thing that's that's going to save us really so i kind of have all my eggs in that basket but you're right you know like the people um, like us we don't have any political power and we don't want political power or, or any of that you know we that's the whole thing about ce5 is that we're trying to open up to the spiritual side and get the spiritual power because we understand that that is where the true power lies. Wouldn't you agree, Alfred? 100%. That's not to say that I would tell somebody, well, you know, don't run for school board or something. Maybe you would be a great member of school board that helps a lot of people. But at bottom, the politics, at least as we know them, it's 3D stuff. And if we enter into the political arena and we try to um, affect change through the political arena, we're just, we're basically, we'd be jumping in the mud with a bunch of pigs. 
<laughs> you, you basically have to act of, like the pigs. Part of the problem, exactly. Right. Yeah, I agree. So, hey, Alfred, why don't you, um, kind of taking a step back here, give us a, a little bit of background, just real quick, a little bit background on yourself, and then tell us kind of how you got into the paganism you were talking about earlier, and then CE5 and all that. Okay, I will be as succinct as I can because it's a long journey. Um, there, there is no quickly telling, but I'll, tr but I'm gonna end up leaving a lot of things out. Otherwise, we'd be here till tomorrow. Okay. Um, let's see. So, basically, um, I've had I've had a lot of like like small potatoes jobs, like working in movie theaters, cashiering in a electronics lab. I've yeah, I, I well, I'll say I worked at a thrift store and leave that there because I want to go back to work when I can work. Uh, currently injured, and um, let's see, I've there was a time when I worked out, and due to both job and, and injuries, I had to stop. But I'm going to restart again, and that that's going to be a whole thing figuring out how to do that without wrecking my ankle even more than it is um let's see let's see so growing up like getting into the spiritual stuff and the reason i say all like the above is like i'm i'm nothing particularly unusual you can you can be a person of high status low status whatever and still be an interplanetary amb ambassador don't think that because I don't know, maybe you work at Costco or Walmart, you think you can't do it because you're not some professor or great author of books about ETs. No, you you don't have to be an abductee. You don't have to be an author. You don't have to be a guru. Just be you, you know, bring yourself and bring your, bring your good intentions. Um, you know, I mean, I, okay, so back on topic. Um, so growing up, um, so I was born blind. I can see now, and I've had a lot of eye surgeries, so I'm not going to go through my whole medical history because that's uh, that gets us off into a different tangent. But I think being born blind probably um, was the catalyst for me being sensitive to things that other people may or may not be sensitive to. Uh, depending on the person, depending on the degree and the vibrations and the, and probably a lot of factors I don't know about yet. So, um, uh, growing up, I had lots of nightmares and I had lots of hypnagogic and hypnopompic hallucinations. What's the difference now, between those two? So, I forget, but both of them happen between wake and sleep. One is when you're going to sleep, and the other is when you're coming out of sleep. I don't know what either of those are. Why don't you um, explain it? Okay, okay. So there's so when you go to sleep before you hit REM sleep, rapid eye movement, there is a stage at which your body is paralyzed. And that's a good thing. Otherwise, you'll move around. You'll try to you'll try to act out your dreams, and you're going to injure yourself. So, um, sometimes when when we are paralyzed but not yet dreaming, 
some some people like myself sometimes become aware and then within that state between wake and sleep and when your body is paralyzed you can still breathe though um you are in a state where sometimes you can hallucinate and many people feel these are not just hallucinations and this is where many many people have et experiences like abduction experiences um experiences of demons experiences of elves experiences of uh, angels and things of that nature um and many people often who can go out of body and i i am not able to do this yet not controlled um you use this in between state in order to um as a jump off jumping off point for leaving their body that's what a friend was telling us recently so it's basically like sleep paralysis yeah so it is sleep paralysis but when you yeah. have sleep paralysis sometimes you can hallucinate <laughs> and uh -huh. if you stay calm which is can be very difficult you can do things like go out of body or have very deep meditations but yeah, yeah, I've I, had uh, many, many instances of that uh, in my past, and I, I never really knew what it was, but it's very scary um, if you don't know what it is and when it's happening right. because you're, you're literally like, can't move, you know, you are conscious of the fact that you can't move and you're like, move, what, like, why am I, I'm, I'm moving? I'm looking all around. I'm, you is, know? It, so, is it just me or is there always that sensation that something is standing over your body when it happens? I feel it's like I'm standing you. over my body when it happens. Like I'm watching myself like freak out, you know, kind of. So anyways. Uh. Well, I think it's good that we hit on this topic because um, people can, especially in the ET and contact communities, can look up sleep paralysis and they can look up hypnagogic hallucinations and hypnopompic hallucinations. And they can uh, look up out-of-body experiences and will find techniques that if, if they get in that state a lot, you can start from that state and go out of body. Okay. So yeah, like the Monroe Institute, if you're interested in that, um, look up the Monroe Institute. Okay. Uh, that's, um, you know, the guy who, the very first uh, book or anything on sleep or uh, out-of-body experiences was this Monroe guy. And he was like a high up um, official with NBC Broadcasting. And it's just really interesting about how this guy decided, you know, I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna tell everyone about these experiences and everything. And they, and he, they did it very scientifically as well. So- um, Is that anyway, uh, No, it's Monroe. His name's Monroe. I forget what oh. his first name is. Um, so I, I get all these guys mixed up. The Farsight, the Monroe, Delphi. Right. So hey, Alfred, how, how long were you um, legal or how long were you blind for? And what, what, what happened? And I mean, I can only imagine being blind and then being able to see, you know? So I was only blind for, in one eye, I was blind for six months. And then the other eye, I was blind for a year. My right eye, um, once my okay so basically i ended up seeing with just one eye my right eye was either 
very, very low vision or it got to a point where I was just blind in it anyway. And then earlier this year, I, due to glaucoma and so ridiculous pain, I had to have my right eye removed and it was blind anyway. So <laughs> don't care. Um, get out of there. Um, but so my childhood was, I, I had a lot of, um, I had a lot, a lot of nightmares and due to the frequency and intensity of the nightmares, I think that it, it was something more than just a child having nightmares. Okay. Now I don't think that they were abduction dreams, but the 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 common thread throughout these night through these nightmares would be uh, black holes. They're on the ceiling or on the floor, and they would appear and disappear, and they would make popping noises as they did this. And I understood that if I went in, that if I got pulled inside one of these, that I would be crushed, basically. But I don't how to say this. And I, well, I also had a lot of, a night, of nightmares about green slime. And I had nightmares about drowning, which I almost drowned when I was about like three years old. So I had some nightmares about drowning. But again, the, it, it was to the point where every single night, just as a matter of course, I'd have nightmares. So I think there was more than just say seeing a scary movie and having a couple of nightmares or <laughs> or being afraid of something and having a few nightmares you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i would also used to see um like uh translucent green sheets on the walls and i was wide awake when i saw this stuff like translucent green sheets on the walls and i would when i laid down i would all I probably could have gone out of body because I'd feel like I was on a boat going up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, and there, there was a couple of times where there was a haze in my room. It would change from blue to gray to blue to gray. And, and one time when I, when this, that like mist was in my room, I got I got up and got my mom and showed her and she saw it clear as day. She saw it. And when it was gray for her, it was blue for me and vice versa. So I don't know what the heck was going on there. <laughs> yeah, you brought up your mom. I was I was actually going to ask you, you know, did you talk to your parents about this? Did you uh, see any uh, professionals or where did the kind of where did that lead? I didn't see any professionals and I probably should have. Um, I did talk to my parents, but I was at such, but this was anywhere from like three years old to like eight or nine years old where my parents knew that I had a lot of nightmares because I knew I had the communication skills to tell them about my nightmares. I did not have the communication skills to say, well, you know, and I, and I didn't have the wherewithal to say, well, I really and truly suspect that there's some 
some entities that we aren't sensing, you know, like they're outside of the vibrations that we sense. And I think that I'm being attacked or fed on and I feel really negative vibes. All I knew was that, gosh, I'm really afraid. And that was all they knew. And like I said, I probably, my parents probably should have taken me to see somebody because if nothing else, I, I could have, you know, talked it out and come to a better understanding of things. Or they would have tossed you in, you know, in an institution and, you know, lock the door, thrown out the key. So. <laughs> but, you know, okay, so um, I guess kind of continue uh, on that. I assume, so that was kind of like your basis for understanding right. the spiritual realm. Uh, well, not understanding the spiritual realm, but understanding that there were there's an avent there's a part of life that many people how do i say it's real but many people reject and or just don't even experience or experience it and reject it so um with my teenage years so i was raised catholic kind of loosey goosey catholic i wasn't like going to church you know, in confession three times a week or something like that. But I was, I, I had a paradigm, but uh, when I got into my teenage years, I was, you know, I started thinking and studying about different religions and questioning and pondering and being raised on on science fiction. And I, I watched the original Star Trek. Like I remember like I was three or four years old running around the house yelling photon torpedoes. So, you know, I wanted to talk with ET. I wanted to experience ET and I wanted the ETs to be positive, of course. And I, I did fear that they were negative, but in my teenage years, I was still, ex I was experiencing sleep paralysis and, and into my uh, early twenties, you know, for, now, after my, around about 10, 11, 12, I, my nightmares stopped. Um, but that was when I started lucid dreaming out of, out of necessity. But then eventually I got out, I got bored of lucid dreaming and I forgot how and I'd have to retrain myself to lucid dream. So, um, yeah, so my teenage years were all about learning about the various religions of the world and um, so you wanted to know about how I got called to paganism. Well, specifically to heathenry, um, so it all began around, say, probably 95. A friend of mine um, lent me, a, this was, at, it started with a children's book called Norse Gods and Giants. It's a good children's book, but I wouldn't suggest it for any grown-up, but he um he let me borrow it and i was actually afraid to read it because when i flipped through the pages when i looked saw the pictures of the gods they seemed really familiar even though i had not seen them before it was like okay why do these look really familiar and why do these gods feel real to me <laughs> and um 
So, um, do you think you had experienced them in your dreams before, or you just like really resonated with the pictures? I would say I really resonated with the pictures, but um, it would be perfectly reasonable to think that I had experienced them in dreams and just didn't remember. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the reason I was scared wasn't because I thought these gods were going to like come and get me, but I was scared because it's kind of like, it's like seeing long lost great, 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 great grandparents or something, if that makes sense. And having an internal recognition where it's like, if you can imagine your heart leaping out of your chest and recognizing people who you know are complete strangers, that's what it felt like. So I didn't, so there is a long, sto long story about this guy moving away and coming back, moving away and coming back, and me saying, well, I'm never going to get to reading this book and trying to give the book back to him, et cetera, et cetera. Eventually, he, he basically gave the book to me. He's like, I don't, don't give it back to me until you read it. So eventually, I came to Georgia with this book because my family, again, moved around a lot. And um, when I read this book, again, um, the stories were like, there was a part of me that just said, I recognize these stories. Like, like the, <laughs> there's, there's truth in this. And again, it doesn't have to be literal truth, but there's, there's truth here. Like, like this is, these are my gods. This is my religion. <laughs> and, um, and eventually like that summer, I, the summer that I read the book, um, I, I had a dream where, um, I had to explain this. Um, I was dreaming about normal stuff that I would, like I had just graduated high school. So I was dreaming about like, you know, high school stuff and stuff in my house, day-to-day -day bullshit. And then a door, if you will, opened up for me and I went out of my normal dream and I walked into a sunny green field with a blue sky and I, was I felt like I was in the presence of Thor and it was quite overwhelming. Um, I, I saw myself as being like tiny and naked and just I was positively dwarfed by the presence of Thor and I remember there was a brief conversation that went on that was, it was an amiable conversation, but there was no like, behold for your chosen or, you know, or anything like that. It was just more like, Oh, you're Thor. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know? Um, and basically um, it was, it was Thor that, uh, that approached me and kind of in, invited me to a, a shared space and it eventually I just said okay so I'm 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 feeling really uncomfortable now I'm 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 gonna leave now <laughs> okay and it, and and he was fine with it but you know like I said it's like I I felt like I was just really really tiny and he was really really huge so eventually it was like yeah I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm uncomfortable I'm gonna leave now um, but, um, now 
I would have, I would be a lot farther in my heathenry, but I barely knew anything. So I didn't even know like the search terms to Google. For example, I would not, I did not know to Google like the prose Eda or the poetic Eda. Um, I didn't know to Google Saxo Germanicus or Tacitus or or any of these people who are, who had written about the the pagan practices of Europeans, right? So or the Anglo-Saxon chronicles um, that was uh, the Venerable Bede. Um, so. Uh, um, or Beowulf. I mean, I, we read Beowulf in school, but I, I didn't put two and two together. Um, but um, so what I found was Nazi bullshit. So I thought, oh, okay, heathenry is not, and I'm talking like literal neo-Nazi bullshit. Like the okay. Aryan race? Yes. That kind of stuff? Right. Like we are the true Aryan race, and and these are our gods, and something something Jewish conspiracy, something something thousand year Reich, Sieg Heil, that kind of thing. Yes, yes, <laughs> like actual Sieg Heil, yes. And so I dropped it like a hot rock because I'm like, oh, I don't want any part of this. But then as um, time progressed, I saw I on like uh, let's see, this would be. See, I dropped it like a hot rock in about 98, 99. Um, as time progressed into like the mid O's to the early, early like 20 teens, I had found a lot more people online that were, they were heathens, but they had nothing to do with any kind of neo-Nazi movement or anything like that. They were just heathens. And, um, but by that time, I had decided, you know what? I'm an atheist. I can think Vikings are neat, and I can, you know, I can even um, play act rituals if I want to, and if it makes me feel good, I can do that, and there's no harm. But then, at some point, um, this would be in 2017. Um, I think this would be like September, no, not September. This would have been August of 2017. Uh, I was I was very frustrated. Um, I'll just say I was very frustrated with some behavior of some people online and I'll leave it there. And I finally, and I prayed to Odin. I was like, like, how do you even, like, like, how do, like, how, how, do, how do you like, deal with such stupidity like what the hell and then at that point I realized yeah I'm a heathen I can't call myself an atheist or an atheal pagan or anything like that I've there's some level of belief there so did you get a response not not then not directly um so 20 and I'm let's see uh so 2017, um, I go to a pub moot. That's just basically where a bunch of pagans and pagan-friendly people just hang out at a pub. Um, and then my, I, and then um, that Yule, that would be late September. I went to a um, my first bloat, bloats 
while it literally means blood, it we, it, we don't actually sacrifice anything involving blood. You should. <laughs> there are some who do, but they, what happens is they raise animals humanely. Like they, they have the property and the time, they have the farm and the resources to raise animals special and they raise them very humanely. And this is rare because not a lot of people can actually do this. And then they do it, they do sacrifice the animal as humanely as they possibly can. Kind of like you have kosher or halal practices that are like far better than um, factory farming shit. Um, and then the, 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 the blood and the bones and all that, that, that'll go to the gods, but this kind of reminds me of the, the meat goat gets shared by the humans. Is this Sorry? at all like Marina Abramovich and the, the spirit cooking? I've never even heard of that. So okay. I don't know. So we'll just go with no. It's totally different. <laughs> right now, so but the free. vast, vast majority of heathens at a bloat, um, we will sacrifice mead or or beer um and we'll pass around a drinking horn and and each of us will say a little piece like i might say something like well hail odin the wanderer the wise one um who who stole the mead of poetry or something like that and you know and take a drink and i would and everyone else would say hail and I'd pass the horn and they'd say an, a little spiel like that, you know. Um, it, so, hey, Alfred, let me, um, we're kind of uh, running out of time here. Sorry. Uh, no, that's okay. You're doing great. I, I'm just, I want to kind of get to the point where, how does this transition or transform into like the CE5 movement and, you know, aliens and, and that kind of thing? Can you okay. kind of bring us to that point? Yes, um, I'll do my best. Um, let's see. As far as experiencing ETs, um, as a ch the reason I say like all this, and there and there's a lot more to it. Um, I've always had a feeling like I don't have a foot completely in this world. I feel like I straddle parallel universes. It's weird. It's the best I can explain it. Um, when I was living in Indiana for the second time, so that would have been, that probably would have been about 10 or 10, 11, 12. I would see uh, um, lights in the sky, like they would be like um, little orbs that would change color, um, like rainbow colored orbs, very strange. Um, I've, I've looked now, I, I'm, I don't see well at all, but that didn't, that never stopped me from looking at, for UFOs, like, especially in the early 2000s and as 2012 ramped up and I've always had, I've had the ability that, um, whether it's through dreams or through feelings or through visions, like in my mind's eye when I'm meditating, I've always had the ability to get messages from other entities. And that's, um, that's something I've witnessed with the, every time you come out to a CE5 and we meditate you and I say, okay, people share your experiences. You always say, well, 
I felt like I was in contact with beings that were blue or, you know, something along those mm -hmm. lines. Right. And so I've got into CE5 not specifically because I'm an alien contactee, but because I wanted to be an alien contactee. And I have been a contactee um, with other entities, some excellent, some not so excellent. <laughs> yeah, hey, Alfred, I'm curious, these orbs and lights that you were seeing when you were younger and, and throughout uh, kind mm -hmm. of your life, were you, was it just you? Were you alone? Did you, were there other people around to kind of validate your experience? And, or did you talk to people about it? Or did you just kind of keep it all, all to yourself because you really didn't know what was going on? Well, I talked about it because I didn't like know any better. And so it was cool because my mom and brother, there was one night where we were standing out in the yard, front yard, full moon. They saw him too. And it was really interesting. Um, and, uh, it's funny because one time I told my, I just raised my hands and told my class about him for whatever reason, like, um, oh, it, we were learning about astronomy and I was like, well, what are these things in the sky? And, and everybody kind of laughed at me and the teacher's like, well, I don't know. Those must've been UFOs or something. I don't know what those are. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, so in my, within the, within CE5 meditation, I have, I, I've actually, I'm, I'm kind of the odd person out because I've never actually seen any, any of the crafts that other people have seen. That's because the night we were at Providence Park, it was me, you and Susie and Alfred is, a, he's very like serious. He's a stickler for format and structure. And so a good friend of ours, she is real excitable and she's like the opposite. So she kept interrupting and interrupting. And if you think of the story, the boy who cried wolf. So finally she goes, Alfred, look, and he won't open his eyes. And I kid you not, it was this beautiful, brilliant orb, like a shade of white you've never seen here on earth. And it just slowly floats over Alfred and over us and just keeps on going. And we couldn't get him to open his eyes. <laughs> Yikes. well it's because you know it's it's like if it's meditation time i'm I'm going to meditate and i'm going to focus and what did i do tend to do did you sense it no when, i when didn't actually but what i ha what i tend to do is well i've said like oh i got a picture of a beehive and i felt like there are bees or oh wow i saw green and blue and i felt like a very wet humid feeling uh or, oh, yeah, like last time, like Brian talked about the example of, oh, I saw a couple of blue people and it felt really good or, you know, something like that. Very, very cool stuff. Um, so, so can I ask yeah, you real quick before you go feed your cat, like, what do you think about the state of CE5 today? Where do you think we're going to be a year from now, 10 years from now? And what's what's the end game? Well, the end game is, um, I, I would say the end game is disclosure, but disclosure in a way where humans are cooperating with, you know, benevolent, peaceful, you know, the good guy ETs, essentially. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm big into disclosure. Okay, there's, 
Okay, so let I'll wrap this up and my cat will just meow, but that's why I have headphones. Um so I so the state of CE5 today. So there are two things that I see as problems. Uh, one thing is, well, potential problems, not problems, problems. Uh, one thing is that I don't want it to turn into something where people just shill products. It's cool if people want to sell products and write books and, and, and have lectures. That's great. But what isn't cool is if we end up um, making CE5 about, I've been to more classes than you, and I've got the t-shirt and the keychain and the, and, and, you know, I've got all the products, but I've, well, so did, so what are your thoughts on, <laughs> you know, what are your thoughts on this version of a CE5 guided meditation versus that version? I don't know, man, but <laughs> I've got stickers. So check I've out my patches. hat, dude. You see my hat? Right. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. agree. Right, or or something like I've been to I've been to so many more classes, as opposed to somebody else that's like maybe maybe somebody doesn't have a group near them and they just do CE five on their own every night or once a week because they just have the passion, but they live in like you know Podunk, some you know like way out of way out in the sticks and that's the only thing that they can do and they just don't have the money to go fly off to a big city to go to a CE5 thing. Okay. So, um, the other potential problem is it's good that we have diversity. It's good that we have diversity of opinions and diversity of backgrounds, diversity of perspectives and experiences. The potential problem there is that we can't let it be a source of contention. We have to stay focused on on our intent. Um, we have to stay focused on being peaceful ambassadors of the human race to the positive ETs. That's what we want to do. That's what we're here for. Now, from there, can we talk about conspiracies or something? Sure. Or can we just talk about all kinds of paranormal things? Sure, but we can't lose focus and we can't get into say, having religion fights or political fights or any of that because it goes back to what I was saying earlier. All of us, all of us peons, we're on the same team. We don't wanna fight, <laughs> you, yeah, you know, keep, know what you I keep, mean? You keep describing some ETs as positive and I mean, that inherently comes with the assumption that some ETs are, are negative. I think those, uh, I'm just going to tell you, frankly, I think that's a little bit antiquated in that, um, you know, even if there are these ETs who are frustrated with the human race, isn't it better to have lines of communication and diplomatic resolution rather than just stonewalling them or, or worse, an armed conflict? Oh, well, heavens, I wouldn't want an armed conflict with any ETs, period. Um, so I will grant you that saying the positive ETs implies that there are ETs that aren't positive. The reason I say that is because I have in the, the entities I've dealt with that aren't positive, like uh, shadowy imps and shit, 
fortunately that not that shit's not in my life anymore thank goodness but that's another long story um but um there are how do i say this? having seen stuff like that i would suggest that there are ets that maybe we just don't want to deal with you know what i mean it's a little bit like let's say you look across the room and you see a bunch of people hanging out and having a good time and you see and then you see a big fight over somewhere you know like in the other let's say on the other side of the room you see a a, a brawl do you want to go join the brawl i don't i've had enough of that <laughs> i'm naturally drawn to that kind of thing okay well you know do you <laughs> jump on in you know i mean that's just it depends don't try how, how many drinks see five guys had <laughs> right Right, and I'm drawing a, a a really drastic dichotomy. It's just there's some stuff that I've experienced that I'm like, no, I know that I don't like that. I don't want to deal with that. I want to get on to bigger and better things. It's a little bit like if in your everyday life, it's like if there's people who are negative and they're always wanting to bring people down and they're always complaining and complaining and there's, you know, they just for it's like they're trying to be really unhappy there comes a point where i realize i can't i can't help them i mean it's not like i don't care it's not like if i see somebody hurting i'll walk away but it's like that you know there are people who are essentially like energy vampires it's like they're they're bound and determined to be negative no matter what you do no matter what you, you can't change them you know, you got to live your life. I, you know, I got to live my life. You know what I mean? What's up with these shadowy imps? Can you elaborate on that? Um, yes, I have to feed my cat. All right. All right. So, do you, so here's the, do you want to pause? Do you want, I still have some things to say. <coughs> Can I say a couple, one or two quick things about CE5 though? Absolutely. Cool. So I think what we need to do um, as far as next year and 10 years down the road, I don't know what it's going to look like, but we need to, we need to form our, form our groups and the groups that have formed. Um, we need to stick together and keep meditating. We need to put information out there. Excuse me. We need to put information out there for those who seek it. We need to make YouTube videos, again, for those who seek the information and ask the ETs for, for permission. I think that's a very good idea. Uh, again, websites and interviews like this. Um, it's a little like um, ufology in the early 2000s, where even people who did not believe in ufology, by then, by the early 2000s, it wasn't like the 70s where you had to go searching. In the early 2000s, it was there. If you, you know, the information is there if you wanted it. Honestly, though, I think not of all of it was genuine, but it's there. If, it's there if you seek it. And so I think we got to we got to make sure our intentions are positive, and we got to focus on CE5 and not get off in the weeds and keep uh putting out information what was your experience like what was yours like uh what guided meditations have 
rendered us the most results, etc., and so forth. Um, YouTube videos of the crafts that you know visit us when we do CE5 meditations, things of that nature. Worldwide CE5 that that's already a thing, by the way. You know the but you know worldwide CE5 meditations. Keep do we need to keep doing those. Uh, basically, um, just keep plowing forward is what I'm saying. Make sense? Yes, it does, Alfred. And uh, thanks so much for joining us, Damien. Uh, found this very interesting. Uh, well, thank you. Would you? Absolutely. Will you come back and do another episode with us and maybe talk uh, more specifically about uh, the CE5 stuff? Uh, you know, yes. now that we, we've got a good idea of who you are, we're maybe right. getting to some of the more detailed stuff with CE5. Can you do that? Absolutely. I will. I'd be happy to. And I apologize for not getting to very much CE5 stuff. But asking me about my spiritual life, it's like, uh, how long do you have? <laughs> it's the same way with me, man. Like, it, it's so hard for me to tell my story and give uh, an idea of who I am without kind of going through ev almost everything that I've experienced because it all kinds of builds on, on each other. And, and anyway, so I could go on again. But um, sure, okay, that's great. We'll have you, we'll have you on again uh, real soon. We'll make it a uh, Alfred episode part two. Part deux. Part deux. Yeah, I appreciate that so much. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Good deal. All right. Well, thank you again, and take care, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you.